You already know that if you need a car wash, you need to go to Tommy's Express Car Wash. They've got all the tools and expertise to keep your car clean, both inside and on the outside. You want it clean inside because if anybody gets in your car, they're not going to want it look like a pigsty. Plus, you're going to want it clean of all those germs. You want it clean on the outside because if you're going to be pulling up in somebody's neighborhood, maybe going to see a friend, they're going to see the outside of your car and go, wow. This guy, he knows what he's doing with his car washes. That's because Tommy's Express Car Wash is going to take care of you. Their wash packages let you pay for the services you want, including Tommy Guard and Body Wax. That's right. Have it looking real spiffy. Wheel cleaning and tire gloss, underbody flush, and spot-free rinse and vacuums as well. If you're like me, you have a dog. I have a golden retriever. She sheds so much. So I need the vacuums at Tommy's Express Car Wash, and boy, do they have them. They do them right. That's wash, rinse, repeat with Tommy's Express Car Wash. And don't forget to download the Tommy Club app today and enjoy endless washing for one low price. That's at Tommy's Express Car Wash. Game three, Western Conference Finals. Suns, Clippers tonight. Phoenix leading that series two games to nothing. Chris Paul will return. I'm surprised Phoenix only a one-point favorite. I know it kind of feels like the Clippers are going to win one game, but is it going to be the game where Chris Paul returns with how good they've looked? Suns and four. Suns and four. Our next guest actually was in the presence of a legend. Scott Chasen, Fog.net. Some would call him a hero in his own rights. Met Suns and four guy and took a picture with him over the weekend. He joins us now on the show. What? How did that happen, Scott? How did you uh, wind up in the presence of Suns and four guy? Well, uh, it, that was the best way I've ever been intro to come on this show, by the way. Uh, Sons of Four Guy, I believe his name is Nick, uh, is just the nicest dude I've ever met. And it's crazy because we've all <laughs> seen the video of him, like, smoking two Nuggets fans who tried to, you know, sucker punch him. But uh, he's just the kindest man ever. And, yeah, I was in Phoenix for a game. Uh, I guess it was game two of the series. I didn't. I had a, a long vacation planned, and it kind of worked out that I was able to sneak away at the end and go down to Phoenix for a couple days. And, yeah, I mean, it was an incredible game. It was a lot of fun. I figured he would be there. And I was kind of hanging around outside the stadium afterward. There were a couple, like, live concerts. Some kid was, like, freestyling about the game that had just happened. It was kind of surreal. Um, I've never really been in an atmosphere like that. And, uh, yeah, out comes walking Suns and Four Guy, and people are taking pictures with him. So I just went up with uh, went up to him and, and took one quickly, didn't want to bother him. But, you know, I figured if he had showed up at the bar I went to or something, I'd buy him a drink. But I think he probably went home after that because he lives in another city. Did you get the sense that he is like an A-list, a pseudo-A-list celebrity at Phoenix Suns games? Well, he hadn't, I, I listened to an interview he did. He said he hadn't been there in a while, but like, here's the thing. He, uh, before the game, they're handing out t-shirts. And when I say they, uh, you know, they, I don't mean the sons. I mean like random people outside are handing out t-shirts for free with his face on them. Wow. And, and I mean, someone made like an action figure of him. Yeah. He's like a huge, I, I mean, it, here's the thing. It's, it's like, a you know, the perfect culmination and combination of events because the Suns team kind of came out of nowhere and all of a sudden is like so good and fun and, and in the conference finals. And so it was kind of the perfect storm um, of like people are really, really excited about the Suns. But in Phoenix, there's no way that guy had to pay for a single meal or drink or anything because like, quite frankly, I don't really care about him. The video is funny. It's more of a meme than anything. But I 100% would have bought him a drink just to be like, yeah, I bought Sons and Four guy a drink. Like, that's a fun story. Yeah, that's the thing. So, like, if he yeah. didn't say the Sons and Four part, 
I don't think any of that is the case, right? Yeah, no, no one cares. Like, he's still awesome because, like, two guys tried to sucker punch him and he smokes both of them. But it's the watch me bleep your boy up line that he said while he's <laughs> punching one of them. And then and then Suns and Four is iconic. And, of course, he's wearing, what, like a classic Steve Nash jersey, I think. And, and like, he was wearing the same jersey, looks the same. He's the same guy. Um, it's just funny because... Uh, he DM'd how this like all sort of spiraled. He DM'd Devin Booker after the game because Booker said he was looking for that guy. And he said, like, you know, I hope I didn't represent Suns fans poorly. I was just protecting myself, um, you know, and all this stuff. And Devin Booker like shouted him out on his Instagram story and said, like, self defense. And I'm pretty sure it was Booker's camp that hooked him up with tickets yeah. um, and, and made sure he was able to go to games. And so it, it's, Again, it's all kind of wild, but yeah, Sunson Four guy, very cool guy, pretty tall, um, and and yeah, definitely seemed very nice. He's a guy you want in your corner. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> well, right? No kidding. I mean, he beat up two people. I think every <laughs> he, he, you know, I don't need him. If I have him in my corner, I don't have to participate in the fight, and so I would definitely take him in my corner. Yeah, he's 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 very quickly climbing the all-time random fan power <laughs> rankings, which we should probably compile a list of. Uh, Scott Chasen is with us here on Rock Chuck Sports Talk. Appreciate you joining us today, Scott. Mm-hmm. NBA Combine going on in Chicago. And the only Jayhawk who's actually going to be there performing is Ochai Abaji. His measurements, the uh, some of the physical stuff, the athleticism numbers were really impressive. And I guess that's to be expected. When you look at some of the numbers that he put up, uh, wingspan really impressive. Vertical, I think, was the best among all guards. Was there any sort of takeaway from his performance yesterday in Chicago? No, I think the bigger thing for me is that I couldn't. Um, there are certain guys who go to the combine, and you you know it's kind of iffy. Is this going to help? Is this going to hurt? But Ochai Abaji always felt like a guy that team workouts, combine measurements, all that stuff. Uh, it's going to look really good for him. At the same time, I think teams know that, though, and I think that's part of the reason why he is the kind of prospect he is because uh, he has a lot of the physical tools combined with, you know, being a high-character guy that I think a lot of teams would look for and say, you know, if he's a legitimate three-point shooter and a legitimate quality wing defender, um, he's the exact kind of guy you want on your team. I mean, think about NBA teams like Philadelphia, Phoenix, obviously, we just talked about, Dallas, um, Boston. I mean, all these teams do is go out and load up with all these extra wings. Um, Even Denver, uh, Denver in the last series uh, that that obviously Phoenix played, that was another example of a team that actually let one of their wings go and it kind of, you know, turned out to hurt them some. So um, I think that player model exists. And so I think the testing is important because I do think it raises or helps his stock or maybe just confirms uh, what people already thought about him. But to me, the biggest thing with Ochai Abaji is, can he handle the ball at any level against NBA players? Because there are a lot of guys who can catch and shoot, and there are a lot of guys who can play defense. But if you can't you know, continue to do those things against the pressure of NBA defense, NBA defenders, that extra size and length, then it's you know a whole other thing. And you know, I know a lot of people think, um, you know, oh, NBA players don't play defense, or oh, you know, it's not that much in the regular season, whatever. Uh, I would just tell those people to watch, like, for example, the Suns Clippers series. 
and the high-level rotations on defense that are being made, where if you have an open shot, it's open for maybe a third of a second, and you're still shooting over a closeout. It's just open when you start your shot. It's not open when you finish it. And I think that's the kind of stuff Ochai Abaji has to prove, that he's not just a good, you know, shooter in college or a good shooter against college defenses that aren't as advanced as some of the stuff the NBA does, but that he can actually do that against the pressure of those great athletes uh, and guys who can jump just as high, move just as fast, and be just as strong as he is. I know you watch a lot of the NBA, so I wonder with a guy like Ochai, who's never showcased that in the past, right? At KU, he's never really showcased the ability to put the ball on the floor and and get past people with his handles. Is there a lane or a path for a guy like him where if you can just be a knockdown shooter, um, uh, a plus defender, and somebody who can score in the open court and use your athleticism to sort of score when there's nothing there, is there a path for a guy like that to make a career in the NBA without necessarily having to improve dramatically at, at his weakness, which is handling the ball? Yeah, I, I think there is some. But even then, like, look at a guy like Svee. Um, I would argue Svee had a much more advanced, obviously, shooting acumen than Ocha at the same point. And I'd argue he had a much more advanced, uh, you know, amount of ball skills. I mean, there was talk uh, when he got to the NBA about running some, like, emergency point guard or something, like that, that they trusted his ability to facilitate. And, you know, I think Svee had, you know, pretty good size, not the best wingspan, but good size. Obviously, he showed what he could do on the glass in that, you know, Elite Eight game against Duke that probably got him drafted by the Lakers anyway. Um, and yet, even for him, that was a guy who it, it took some time. Uh, and, you know, he didn't always look comfortable in his first kind of chances. Although now, you know, it does seem he's at least carved out a role for himself. So, you know, just from that perspective, I'm not necessarily convinced he's shown enough at this point to actually stick around the league for any sort of time. Now, you know, that can change, and, and it doesn't have to be dramatic. You know, he doesn't have to be Kyrie Irving handling the ball. But I think little stuff like, you know, I can't remember very many times in college where he pump faked, got a guy, you know, to jump, took a, an escape dribble to his right, pulled up and hit a three. And that's like a, a pretty simple move. It happens a lot in the NBA because guys close that hard. They close out with athleticism. And again, in the NBA, if you get that like half step of space, you put the shot because that's probably the best look, you know, that's that you can get a three point shot with a little bit of airspace when you go up. And, and so, you know, it's just stuff like that, that I'd really like to see him probably do more of that. He probably needs to do more of uh, as he works out for teams and, you know, takes part in whatever uh, kind of scrimmage settings and stuff they run. And so, you know, I, I think he can have a role in the NBA. I'm a little bit skeptical of what it looks like right now. But I do think, you know, just a couple of improvements and little things, and I think that could go a long way. Yeah, I I just, I I think about the athleticism and, and the, the physical traits, and I just wonder, like, when it's when it's just a handle, when it's like, if you fix that, then all of a sudden you're a very attractive option. Is that a trait that NBA teams will look at and say, that's fixable, right? If that's If that's your biggest issue we can work with that versus other things, whether it's, you know, lack of awareness or just low basketball IQ, things like that, is simply working on mechanical or just skill set things like that. Is that one of the more attractive things that an NBA team would say, okay, we have to work with? Yeah, that's a good question. I really don't know the answer because, like, thinking through it, 
a lot of guys come into the league and they have a good handle and they're decent enough shooters and teams trust that because they're so comfortable handling the ball, they trust their ability to then shoot and that that will improve. And, you know, in fact, one of the, one of the reasons why, you know, you, you see guys that aren't great shooters and this is not always the case, but a lot of times they don't average that many assists and they're not passers, and it all kind of comes back to that handle. And when they get better handling the ball, all of a sudden it's less stressful to shoot because, you know, they, they have more control of where they're going and, and getting to their spots. And then it's, it's almost the same thing, you know, their passing improves too because, again, they're more comfortable, they trust themselves more. So, you know, if, I, I think the biggest issue, issue for Ochai Abaji is that it's not even like he's shown flashes of like, oh, this is what he could be like as a ball player. Especially because with his size, he you know he'd be really interesting as a two or a three guard, depending on you know whatever I guess team and pieces around him he has. Where you know he could take a couple possessions and handle the ball, or you know if he's bigger than the guy guarding him, maybe even back him down, like try to post him up something. You know, I, again, we really don't see him do, and so uh, I, I think it's probably something they can work on. Especially you know maybe it would be beneficial for him to get a two way deal and get the chance to be like a featured guy at the G League level for, you know, at least part of the season while making some decent money. But, you know, I, I don't think it's something they'd be afraid to work with him with. Um, I, I just think it's something that he's got a long way to go in terms of, you know, from where he is now to be great at it. He probably doesn't have that long way, you know, a way to go to go from where he is now to go to where he would be a pretty decent NBA player for a reasonable amount of time. So I think it's what teams tell him in that regard, if they're willing to give him assurances and, you know, who knows, maybe there are a couple of teams that, that really trust that he could be something um, because I do think his defensive skill set and the ability to knock down the three. Those are two things that are obviously very important in basketball. Talking to Scott Chasen of Fog.net here for just another moment or two. Jalen Wilson didn't get the combine invite. He was active this past weekend at the G League Elite Camp, played in a couple scrimmages, put up some pretty lackluster lines. You look at the measurements, shorter than you would have expected, not a great wingspan. Is it all but a foregone conclusion in your mind that Jalen Wilson is coming back to Kansas next year? Yeah, I think from the time he declared, it was, you know, something crazy has got to happen. Uh, for him to basically be able to go. And, you know, again, you, you try not to read too much into things, but if you, you just read the quotes, like when he declared from, you know, cave coaches or whatever, it was a lot of like, we're very excited for him to get feedback and learn where he needs to improve when he definitely returns next year. Uh, you know, it was a lot of that. And, and so, um, uh, yeah, I, I think he probably had a chance to do something, but I, I doubt he would have been a first-round pick no matter what happened. That's not a knock on him. But just to say that, you know, he had a pretty good year. Obviously led KU in rebounds. I think he was the third leading scorer on the team. A decent, not great, but decent three-point percentage. Although I think it ended around only like 33.3. So maybe it's, you know, a little bit uh, kind of average. But, you know, I, I think he offers, you know, a good skill set with his energy, with his ability. But I think he's got to learn to be more under control. I think he needs to learn to be a much better defensive player. Because there aren't a lot of like energy bouncy guys in the NBA who just aren't good defenders and aren't great offensive players either. And so, you know, if he's going to be a solid offensive player and provide a lot of energy, well, the natural fit for that is to be a psychopath on the defensive end of the court, really bother teams. And then that kind of average offensive ability you look at, you say, well, hey, that's pretty good if you have this guy who's really locked in and really making life hard for the other team on the other end. So, 
that's for him what I would look at this next season. If he makes a jump defensively in his shooting numbers, his offensive game even just stays consistent, maybe cutting down on the turnovers a little bit, maybe improving the free throw shooting a little bit, then I think you're talking about a legitimate NBA player. But, uh, you know, I, I think he's got to show more defensively, probably has to show more consistency, probably has to work on the turnovers, free throw shooting, and uh, maybe boost maybe some shot selection stuff a little bit. Yeah, don't you think uh, the presence of a guy like Remy Martin takes some pressure off, you know, even if Ochai were to come back, but in this case specifically Jalen Wilson, doesn't Remy take some pressure off them offensively just knowing, hey, this guy, like it or not, is going to be one of the focal points on offense. So whereas at times last year, especially early when Jalen was having those big games against Kentucky and Creighton, you sort of started to count on him. Like you needed him to be that guy, that alpha offensively, and it didn't end up being the case all the time down the stretch. I feel like Remy's going to take a lot of pressure off a lot of guys. Yeah, well, I I think that's true. And I also think for Jalen Wilson, he's got to learn to play and impact the game when he's not kind of being that featured guy. And and he did that at times, uh, especially with his rebounding. I think this is kind of a good example and a, a good, you know, learning experience of what he will go through in the NBA because make no mistake, Jalen Wilson, if everyone comes back is at best, what the fourth option yeah. offensively on Kansas, it, maybe you could flip that with Ochai, but they're going to play through David McCormick. They're obviously going to play through Rodney Martin and, and it's him and Ochai on the wing. And, and you still have Christian Brown. You still have Joe yet. So you still have all these other guys. He's probably at best your team's, you know, fourth option to start. Now, maybe he makes a big jump and that, you know, obviously changes. But so that tells me, okay, like, let's see what you can do in terms of finding other ways to affect the game. Uh, Rebounding definitely seems to be one of them that he can really help out. Uh, Even if it's just getting the ball, starting a fast break, pushing the ball off the court, even if he doesn't, you know, end up getting an assist from any or, you know, many of those possessions. Um, and, you know, seeing what he does as a passer, can he not waste possessions turning the ball over? Um, and can he affect things around the offensive glass? Uh, I think it's a really unique opportunity for him to actually play in a role in college that will be very similar to what he does in the NBA. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he grows into that, how comfortable he looks, and, again, what kind of incremental improvements he can make. He is Scott Chasen. You can check out his work, fog.net, 247sports.com. Congratulations, Scott, on uh, meeting one of your uh, lifetime heroes in Sons and Four Guy. So, uh, yeah. It's, uh, and I'm just glad that you were, uh, you're still humble enough to come on and talk with us. Yeah, I, I couldn't decide what the highlight of the weekend was, being seven rows back of DeAndre Ayton's dunk or meeting Suns and Four Guy, but it was yeah, definitely a, one of those. Yeah, the, the, the game-winning alley-oop, a footnote compared to what happened after the game. <laughs> What a time. What a time to be alive. What a time to be an American. And uh, I'm happy to be an American. Proud to be an American. Uh, just like Lee Greenwood mm. said. In or his, at least you know you're free. Yeah, and in his hit single, Proud to be an American. Because of all the things that are happening. And, and you may not know about all the things that are happening, but that's what we're about to fix right now with the segment we call News Break. Where we take a break and look at all the news. All the news happening. What is the news happening? What's the news of the day, Derek? Well, the first story of the day is a married couple has been awarded the Guinness World Record for greatest height differential of a married couple. And no, you might be thinking, oh, well, did like a Joel Embiid, you know, go marry some like five foot two girl? Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. That's not the case at all. Um, We have five foot five Chloe. The last name is Lusted or Lusted. Five foot five Chloe Lusted and three foot seven 
James Lusted. The difference, a foot and 10 inches, the largest recorded by the Guinness Book of World Records. James was born with diastrophic dysplasia, which is a rare type of dwarfism that affects bone and cartilage development. And now he's in the world record book. Wow. I'm looking at a picture. Um, you know, all things considered, he's not the ugliest guy around. What? What? I'm just, I'm saying he's not ugly. I'm saying he's okay. not unattractive. Okay. You would, okay, I'm just saying, if I told you somebody has diastrophic dysplasia, one of the rarest types of dwarfism, would your natural reaction be, well, I bet you he's good looking? No. You have a rare form of dwarfism. Like, what's the deal with that? Um, but like shoulders up, he looks pretty handsome. Like he's got like a little Clark Kent vibe going on. Same thing with her. Like, I mean, she's got a Clark Kent vibe going on. No, but I'm just saying like, it's not, it's not the picture I was expecting to see. Like, I don't know what you want me to say and you want me to step in it here and I'm not gonna, but I'm just saying like, this is. A decently attractive couple, given the fact that they just broke a world record for height differential. I mean, what'd you say she is? Five foot five. I mean, that's average, maybe slightly above average for a woman. So, that is shocking that that's the biggest difference. That that is... I'm surprised by that. Less than two feet. Less than two feet. Because like I'm saying, how have there not been like a... Like, how tall is like Shaq's wife? Shaq married? I thought he was. He's been married. Shaq's like 7'2", seven, 7'3". Seven, so that would mean his... Let's figure that out. Let's figure this out. Shawnee O'Neal. I, I know. I only know that because she's been on like... Uh, she's been on like reality, like housewives of whatever. Okay, she's 5'7". How tall was Shaq? I thought he was like 7'2". Seven, 7'1". Seven, okay. So... That's about a foot and a half. So that I bet you there's a lot of foot and a halves. Because you got to th- realize this. She stands next to Shaq. She looks tiny. Right. But I'll bet you most guys who are seven feet tall don't want to date... Five foot one girl. Right. right. Yeah. Well, you're tall. How tall is your wife? Uh, five nine. So she's tall for a yeah. girl. Have you always had a thing for taller women? No, I never have. It's just like, I, I've never really concerned myself with it. Never really had to like date a taller. I've girl. always, I've always Have you noticed ever dated that. a taller girl. No, I've dated a girl who's like five ten, like five eleven, like the same height as okay. me, and that I didn't love it. I didn't love yeah. it. I'm not gonna lie. Um, but I've always noticed from afar, taller guys tend to end up with taller women. Is it genetics thing? Like you want to have another yeah, tall, most athletic, the tallest or... baby there is. Yeah. Okay, so let's think about this. Let's just the, the tallest person I know, Yao Ming, his wife. Yi Lee, 6'3". Okay, there we go. And she's a Chinese basketball Gosh, player. Gosh, have they had kids? She's a basketball player. Yeah, they have. The kid's going to be like 7'9". Yao Kin Lee. Yao Kin Lee. Yeah, this is a popular Google search. How tall is he? <laughs> um, he is 2.2... Or she is 2.26... Oh, uh, they in the metric Meters. System. I don't know what that means. Now we going to make us do the conversion. What a deep dive this turned into. 7-4? What? 
Wait a minute. That cannot be right. Two meters is about three feet, give or take. Is this the woman or the child? This is, this is the, uh, this is the child. There's no way the child is not seven four. She's How a little. She's a little girl. <laughs> I think this is like a projection. I think this okay, is like a projection. Okay. Uh, so that's it, man. It's just that there's probably been for the longest time this sort of. I'm willing to say this as a stereotype or just like a vast generalization that tall guys. Don't go RG three here. Tall guys. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm not stepping in that. Tall guys want to be with taller women. Maybe it's just easier. Maybe it's just a simple of ease. It's like you're all the way down here. Right. I'm all well, the think way about up just here. Just kissing someone, you know. You don't want to have to get on a step ladder to kiss somebody. You don't want to have to, if you're the tall guy, bend over like you're a giraffe at a zoo licking somebody's ice cream cone. Wouldn't it be tricky to do sex? Care to explain? You're this big. They're that big. What are you I mean, doing with your hands? Forms of measurement. It's just like certain, certain things, like... There are some doorways that maybe you have to duck under to get through, right? There's a height minimum and a height maximum for certain roller coasters. Um, certain... You ever have a big, like, Sonic cup or a big, like, cup from, like, a slushy, like, a, from the grocery store or uh, the gas station? And the bottom of it is too big to fit in the cup holder yeah. of your car. Am I making any sense whatsoever yeah. with these analogies? You understand what I'm saying now. <laughs> it's not all about height. It's that height can sometimes indicate size differences in other areas. Wow. I can't believe you went here. You don't think that has nothing to do with it. There's got to be a reason why this is the biggest height differential ever. One foot, 10 inches. And it wouldn't be that hard of a... I don't feel like it would be that hard of a... For a really tall guy, for yeah, an NBA player, a like I said, that's a seven foot one guy with a five foot two guy, and you. Why do they have both have to? Why do they both have to be guys? Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> I didn't even realize you said that. Well, they could be. Well, yeah, they could be. What are you saying? Well, no, there's nothing. You, you're the one who challenged me. Well, I no, just, you're just. I just had something float out well, of my mind. I'm just curious why this hypothetical mm -hmm. couple in your mind just happens to be gay. I'm curious why you have an issue with that. I don't. I was just curious. I'm okay. just. I wanted. I'm to... curious about your curiosity. Okay, we can hash it out later. <laughs> A uh, large sinkhole in Mexico has been growing mm. since May and has already swallowed a house. Actually, two dogs got trapped in there, but they were rescued after 72 hours. At this point, it is now 50 feet deep, 500 feet wide, and constantly growing. They don't know when it's going to stop. They said that they think it has to do something with uh, a local factory nearby that is, like, pulling water. It's a water bottle factory. Um, and also just with motion of cars going by and stuff, they think that's making it, you know, shake and grow mm -hmm. more. Haven't have sinkholes become more prevalent lately, like the past like five ten years? No, I think they've always been there. Really, I feel like every time, maybe it's just like the the news cycle that we're on now that I feel like we're always looking up sinkhole. Sinkholes are scary, man. You only caught one of those. No. Could you imagine if your house was just on a sinkhole? I mean, you'd probably be dead. Does insurance cover that? I would assume. Are sinkholes what cause, you ever seen those videos, uh, of the, like it'll just be like a still lake and all of a sudden, you ever seen those videos, you know what I'm talking about? No. Where there's like no a funnel, there's like a funnel 
in the middle of a lake. You can just, it'll be still water and all of a sudden. Like a whirlpool? Yeah. I guess it's possible. I don't know enough about sinkholes. Like, I don't know. I don't know if scientists know, like, what causes them either. If it's just like a random happening. That's scary stuff. I remember uh, there was a sinkhole back where I used to live in Colorado. And it was, like, in the middle of the road. And it just randomly popped up. Imagine you're just driving all of a sudden, boom, sinkhole. Like, that's what's scary about this. There's nothing you can do about this. It's just like it's there all of a sudden. We haven't had any in Kansas. What if the whole world just turns into a sinkhole? Where would it go? Under the water. So the new world. So it'll, the, the new like world Atlantis. will be. Well, yeah, we'll just all have to go underground to yeah. keep living. I'm not prepared for that. That's the thing, man. If anything like that happened, I had somebody tell me this once, and I totally agree. Like, they talk about the Yellowstone vol- super volcano. Like, if it were to erupt, instead of like coming up with a contingency plan of what am I going to do? How am I going to survive this? I'm driving straight to it, get vaporized instantly. I'm done. You don't want to be around no, in that world, dude, right? dude, that's just like a, such a to-do. Yeah. Running, foraging for supplies, fending off enemies, just like living in this dystopian system. Do you want to be with the people system. who are still alive? Like, are those the kind of people you want to be no, with? No. Come on. That's just like, what are we those doing? Those are the people with the... You know, just vaporize yeah. me instantly. I just need a warning. <laughs> just let me know. Like, it's going to go off in two days. Everybody else going the other direction. Traffic to the site will probably be super easy. It won't be that tough of a trip. Let's get it over with. <laughs> You're the only one going. It's just like full on traffic. They're like, the sir, way. sir, sir, th- this is the direction of the super volcano. And I'll say, I know. And I'm running late. So can you let me pass? Uh, a man from Silver Lake, Kansas, won a $75,000 lottery. Hmm. This was two days after he had a dream that he won $25,000. So he had the dream. Two days later, he says, you know, I'll just I'll go get a uh, scratcher. So he got the 100X scratch-off ticket and another a buy and ride seven or something like that. Uh, or no, that was the name of the store. Um, grabbed it. Didn't think he won. Relooked at it. Goes, oh, I won $75,000. So should we start asking this guy about, like, score predictions? Wearing a KU... Wearing a KU yeah. hat in the picture. So. He said uh, he's going to use the money toward a new vehicle for his wife, nice guy, and a plot of land in Silver Lake. The rest will go into a mutual fund. He could be a listener. Yeah, if you're a listener, his name's Mason. Mason Krentz. Well, let's just assume loyal listener of RCST. Yeah. Wearing a KU shirt, jacked. We take donations. He's jacked. You, know? you see this picture of him, dude? Yeah, he is jacked. 75000 Do you believe him, though? Do you believe he had the dream two nights before? That makes a good story, but it's like, did you log it? Did you log the dream in your <laughs> dream journal? Why lie about that? Makes it for a better story. It does make for a better story. What if the writer lied about it? Well, I'm not going to assume the writer lied about it. I'm just saying, like, you dreamt two days before you won $25,000 and it happened. Do you believe that dreams are indicative of anything? What, well, do you th- what are your thoughts on dreams? I'll say this. If they are, we're screwed because I had a dream last night that I was captured by aliens. What if I was actually captured by aliens and it wasn't a dream? And it was just me thinking it was a dream because it was such a distressful moment. I don't have that. I have the re- like. What Do you have any like big-time reoccurring dreams? I wouldn't say big-time. I have a couple reoccurring dreams, but they're like mysteries. Like the recurring dreams where I can remember certain scenes, but I can never remember the full picture, the yeah. full story. My, my, the, the dreams that I have a lot are... College, I am late to every final. I haven't studied for any of these finals. I'm going to be late. I'm not going to show up. It's the last day of class. Holy crap, the finals tomorrow. I just realized I haven't went to class all year. And the finals today. (laughs) I have that dream... 
probably once every three or four weeks. My goodness. And then uh, I have dreams that I lose my teeth a lot. Is that like a, a worry for you? I'll just have dreams that I... You're like George Washington. I'll just start wiggling a tooth and it'll come out. And then I'll wiggle another tooth and it'll come out. And like all my teeth are falling. It sounds like you saw like a scary movie where somebody's teeth fell out when you were. That scared. happens like six times a year, I would say. And then um, I'm trying to think of some other ones because there's a few, and they're all none of them are good. A lot of it'll be like my facial hair is like messed up. Like I either have a full beard, like a massive burly beard, or that I have no facial hair, or it's like just looks that I mess up shaving. Isn't that such a weird one that I me- something so trivial that I mess up shaving and now like my my facial hair looks bad. You know what's the worst in dreams when you're trying to run and you can't. You ever have that happen? No. Like you're trying to run as fast as you can, you can't. You're like walking. Like what's going on? I just have dreams where I can, I can never get to the right place. Yeah, so I I guess I can sort of relate to that. But, you know, I don't really think dreams mean anything. I think dreams are just the purging of the thoughts that have went through your head over the last like day or two. Yeah. I don't feel like they are foreshadowing of anything. So this guy dreamt he won the lottery probably because a couple days ago he thought about buying a lottery ticket and was like, oh, yeah, I, I, what, what if I won $25,000? And then he dreamt it. And then the next day he's probably like, I'm going to go buy a lottery ticket. And then boom, he actually won it. So I think it's a massive coincidence. That's what it is more than anything else. Remember, Darrell Arthur came to Kansas because of a dream. He was going to go to <laughs> Baylor. You don't, you ever heard this story? No. So he was between Baylor and KU. And the day that he was set to commit, he was leaning, he was like leaning Baylor. He had a dream the night before of him playing for Kansas. And then he, and then he committed to Kansas. Wow. So again, I don't think dreams Powerful. mean anything. But he thought it meant something so much so that he's like, I guess I'll go to Kansas. Now, imagine that. If I'm Scott Drew, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I have a dream specialist. He'll come and tell you the dream (laughs) meant nothing. You want to go with your gut. You need to be in Waco. But, I mean, it resulted in a national championship, and I'm sure he wouldn't trade it. So, I don't know. I don't really know much about dreams. They are fascinating, but I don't ultimately think they mean a whole hell of a lot. Last story, a bar in Worcester, Massachusetts, yesterday accepted Monopoly money uh, for a two-hour span from 4 to 6 o'clock. It wasn't for everything, but you could get in on your $5 cover charge. You could use the Monopoly money to buy hot dogs, non-alcoholic jello shots, and also tickets for some raffle they were doing. The idea here was that um, apparently they're doing a Wooster-themed Monopoly board, um, and they want to be on one of the squares. So they figured if we do something with Monopoly, we'll get a national headline. Maybe they'll put us on the square. I think more bars should do this, should take Monopoly money. But you can't because you can't sell liquor. It's giving away liquor for free. Well, they didn't give away the liquor. You did the other part with Monopoly money. I'm not going to a bar to eat hot dogs. Cover charge? When's the last time you went to a bar that required a cover charge? I don't know. I am 30 years old. (laughs) I don't go to those bars anymore. I'm, if you're going to charge me to get in may, on bachelor party, that's the only time. And those are fewer and far between because most of my friends are New Year's married Eve? by now. I haven't done that in forever either. But yeah, I remember the, I remember, I remember doing the New Year's stuff where you pay $60 to get in. Oh, and another. Wouldn't that be nice if you would have been able to pay with Monopoly money? On New Year's Eve? Yeah. yeah. It'd be great. New Year's Eve is the biggest money suck day of the year. 
Like, why am I spending hundreds of dollars to celebrate something that happens every year all over the globe? It's not even like, it's well, it's America. It's special to us. No, it's not. Everybody does New Year's. It should all be free. And you got to wear like the nicest outfit you've wore all all year. And it's always bitching cold. It's it's New Year's Eve. Okay, so. I got it. So you hate birthdays. You hate New Year's. You just hate things that happen every year. Yes. Yes. Get used to it. If it happened last year, it's going to happen next year. Why are we celebrating? Gender reveal parties. That doesn't happen every year. You can have one. <laughs> okay, so the first kid gets one. The no, just goes. do it with you two and then don't invite anybody else. Just do it and then you can You're post a video. You're just anti-people socializing. Uh, dude, I got my This guy might be listening. One of my friends. He's having a gender, or not a gender review, a baby shower. That's very typical. I don't want to be there. Everybody does a baby I shower. I don't want to be there. Now, I have to get you. You don't have to go. I do, though. Because he's one of my best friends. Like, and I'm sorry if this is sexist or gender roles, whatever, but like, just invite the girls. I don't want to be there. I don't want to be at your baby shower. I don't even, I'll get you a gift, but just like, don't make me come to a party. Just let me send it to you. You don't, you don't want to come hang out with your friends. It's not hanging out with my friends. I mean, it is though. It's everybody sitting around and watching them open gifts of like onesies. And baby toys. Well, that's like, I mean, you're not going to open a gift for five hours. It's like a 20-minute thing. And then oh, hanging out with each other the rest cute. of the time. Cute. That's hearing that 40. Oh. That's a really good mother-to-be opening a gift of a baby blue onesie that says daddy's boy. Daddy's girl. Oh, cute. A little onesie with like a baseball. Pl- oh, baseball. Ooh, oh, that's so cute. Oh, he'll love that. Shoot me in the face. (laughs) That's your news break. And this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. All right, almost to the top of the hour here. But before we get to that, it's time for another edition of the most self-explanatory segment in the history of Sports Talk Radio. It's time for Let's Rank Stuff Today. June 24th is National Bomb Pop Day, a long-standing favorite amongst ice cream and popsicle enthusiasts. When the ice cream truck comes around, the Bomb Pop, oftentimes the first one to sell out. So, to honor the Bomb Pop, I thought we'd take a look at the top 10 flavors of popsicles, starting with number 10. Number 10. The orange creamsicle comes in at number 10. Now, I hate the orange creamsicle. I find it detestable, but... I don't feel like there's that many types of popsicles. Therefore, my least favorite type of popsicle actually somehow ends up making the list. I like orange cream skulls. Grape cream skull, also good. Okay, well, see, then I did leave some off because grape cream sickle <laughs> would automatically come in at number 11. Number nine. Number nine, root beer also can't stand really root beer pops. Yeah, I do like, like, a, I like a root beer float. That makes zero sense. Why? What about, like, root beer like the uh, the ones you suck on like the uh, no you gross. Like those? no you like what? root beer in general uh, I haven't had one in forever but as a kid it was my favorite Barks root beer couldn't get enough of that stuff as a kid but I've decided against cavities for the rest of my life so no more root beer number eight number eight tropical punch the tropical punch it's sort of like the 
the creamy uh, looking like I'm talking about the flavor ice you know the ones that just come in the plastic tubes you cut the top off and just just kind of suck them yep I just kind of suck it up bite it off tropical punch flavor ice number eight number seven lemon lime lemon lime also garbage also in the flavor pop I love a good lemon lime they're refreshing on a hot day very refreshing they're sour they're tart you want something refreshing then all of a sudden your lips are puckered I don't pucker I don't pucker with a lemon lime flavor ices. Hmm. I'm not a puckerer. You pucker? Also a drop. Number six. Number six. A little controversy here. Fudge. The fudge <laughs> pops. Well, yes, they I are. Get, yeah, fudge pop. Okay. So it's it's kind of weird because it's not ice cream. It's savory. It's not sweet. But I still think it has it's a popsicle. I still think. Okay, so what constitutes a popsicle? Is it anything? On a stick, any frozen treat on a stick. Well, then in that case, frozen banana is the popsicle. In that case, uh, the the Nestle Crunch bar, the Nestle Crunch ice cream thing. Oh, okay. Is that a pop? Is that a popsicle? Is a corn dog a popsicle? <laughs> if you eat it <laughs> if cold. If it's frozen, yes. If it's frozen, yeah. corn dog technically a popsicle. Okay, we're into the top five. Number five. Okay, I, I feel like there's a lot of riffraff there because when you are a popsicle enthusiast, you're not getting something different every single time. You're going back to the heat. Mm-hmm. You're going back to the favorites, and that's what I think we're about to get into. We've sort of narrowed out the honorable mentions, and now we're getting into the good stuff. Number five, orange. The orange popsicle. Delicious. It is absolutely delicious. The orange popsicle I think of the most is just the classic one that's on the stick. I freak. Yeah. I think they're just called like popsicles or something. I don't know. Yeah. But like some of the other flavors, you might think of something specific. I just think of the classic orange. But also, I think orange creamsicle might be better than orange. Oh, you think that? Do you? Yeah. Actually, oh. I know that. Oh, fact. actually, wait a minute. It's, it's a well-known yeah, We fact. just checked yeah. with the uh, with the international popsicle team, and they said, you're mm. wrong, and you're an absolute an idiot. Oh, I just, I just heard from the international popsicle team of enforcement, and they told me that those people are wrong. Oh, okay. Well, uh, we'll have your people talk to my people, but for now, Orange comes in at number five. Number four. Number four. We're going back. We're getting rid of the stick. We're going backwards here. Mm. We're getting rid of the stick. We're going. You have to have a stick. We're going back to the flavor ice. Okay. Blue raspberry. Gross. Blue raspberry is one of the worst. Blue raspberry is the best. It's certainly the best of the flavor ice. Next, you're going to tell me that lime is good. I already told you that lime you was at seven. Lime. Well, it's the same thing. No, they're very different. They don't make two different flavors. Uh, yeah, they do. No, nah, no, they don't. They're lemon lime and they're lime. No, they're three different categories. I'm putting that up for a poll. You cannot stop me. Okay, you can put it up for a poll, or you can just Google it and find out whether or not they're it's three right different or wrong. flavors. Okay, it's not a- just Sprite advertised as a lemon soda. No, exactly. I was speaking specifically to the lemon lime flavor ice. I'm saying there are different flavors. Have you ever had like the uh, what are they otter pops? They have a okay, green no, one. We're not talking they about otter pops. Those are popsicles. I'm not otter pop. About otter pop. Pop. Popsicle. Otter pops. What is the pop and otter pops? Otter pops for? are such a spare popsicle. Oh, get out of here! They are some of the the best because you get so if much out of it. If your mom you bought otter pops because the they end. were on sale, she didn't want to splurge for the real popsicles. They were mm-hmm. on sale. Number three. You're going to ruin people's childhood. We're getting onto the metal stand here. Number three, cherry popsicles. Classic, just like the orange. Same package. Classic, but overrated. 
Not overrated. Very overrated. Loved getting... Turns your mouth all uh, red. Oh, yeah. Getting getting your lips, your tongue, getting stains. I mean, if you ate a cherry popsicle, you are 100% staining your shirt. The cherry popsicle is too sweet. It's too What's sugary. What's the point? Okay, then have a water then. <laughs> okay? If you don't want sugar from the ice cream truck, then don't go to the ice cream truck. Just go home and get a glass of water if you think it's too sugary. Kind of loser kid you were. Guys, do you think do you think they have any low sugar options at the ice cream truck? Number two, grape. Grape, cherry, one. orange all come in the same package. So you got one of those boxes. You're going to be, you know, one day you're going to have grape. One day you're going to have cherry. One day you're going to have orange. I always save the, the grape for last because I, I wanted to go out with a bang. I say grape is the best. It's refreshing. It tastes good. It's weird because it doesn't actually taste like a grape. I say grape, Did you, you say... analyze it for that? I say grape, you say rocks. Grape? Rocks. Grape? Rocks. Grape's number two. Should be number one. Number one. Number one, though, the number one popsicle in our list of our top ten popsicle flavors on National Bomb Pop Day is... Uh, the Bomb Pop. The Bomb Pop is the elite popsicle. Now, there's the that's, Bomb Pop. No, that's cheating. There's the Bomb Pop. Oh my there's gosh. also the Firecracker, which is kind of a ripoff. Yeah, they look the same. But okay, but that doesn't count. You put three popsicle flavors all in one. It's one popsicle. It's on one stick. But it's three flavors. Okay, what so is the, the name orange, of this list? Okay, so the orange. What is the name of this list, Nick? Top popsicle flavors. Okay, and there are three flavors on one. Okay, well, what about the orange creamsicle? That's orange and it's cream. But <laughs> cream is a popsicle flavor. But is in the orange creamsicle? There's orange on no, the outside you, and cream in the middle. If you got the cream, is referring to the ice cream. What are the three flavors? If you got a stick with ice cream on it, that's not a popsicle. What are the three flavors of a bomb pop? Uh, blue, red, and white. Uh, cherry, blue raspberry, and I have no idea what the white is, but the white's the best. I'm about to clown you, and we're gonna take a break. No. The white is lime. <laughs> You're a fraud. <laughs> fraud. That's let's rank stuff. This is Rock Chuck Sports Talk. So earlier today, we talked to Scott Chasen of Fog.net about decisions looming for both Ochai Baji and Jalen Wilson. We've sort of scoffed over Remy Martin because he didn't even get invited. So, I mean, Remy Martin's going to play for Kansas next year. I think Jalen Wilson is going to play for Kansas next year. Ultimately, I'm, I'm sort of leaning towards Ochai. I mean, with the impressive numbers that he put up, if he were to just go and have a really good shooting performance, whether it's in the combine scrimmage today, which is like happening right now, but more importantly, with what happens in individual workouts. The, the scrimmage is one thing, but you can go into a workout with a guy like that, really athletic, run up and down the gym, knock down some shots. Teams are going to say, I like that, right? So ultimately, I think that Ochai is going to stay. But I don't really want to get into a conversation of will they stay, will they come back. What I'm more interested in is that the headline this offseason has been that it has been a massive roster overhaul with 10 new additions, all these fresh faces. It's going to be a lot different than it was a year ago. Yet, the starting lineup is going to be pretty close to identical to what it was last year. 
Now, if Ochai leaves, you're talking about three of five starters returning. Christian Brown's still back. Jalen Wilson's still back. Dave's still back. Ochai comes back, it's four or five. We know one thing is for certain. Remy Martin, newcomer, and he's going to start. From there, you can sort of start the debates. But rather than talk about who's going to start, I think it's more interesting to talk about roles. Because no matter what it looks like, Remy Martin kind of changes everything for everyone. Ochai was last year's leading scorer, 14 points a game. He led the team in shot attempts. He was the guy for KU offensively. If he were to return next year, what would he be? Would he be the first option again? Well, he's probably not going to get more shots than Remy Martin, right? You wouldn't think so. Okay, so he's the second option. Remy is the guy. He's the alpha offensively. He's bringing the ball up the court. He's probably taking a lot of shots, getting to the free throw line a lot. Probably going to be your leading scorer. Okay, so Ochai could be number two. He was number one last year. He could be number two this year. Well, look at the way the season ended for Kansas last year. Like You can look at the season-long numbers. They don't really tell you the full story. David McCormick, by the end of the season, was KU's go-to guy. Right, If you just look at it month by month, by the time you got to February and March, David McCormick in the month of February, 16 points a game. In the month of March, three games, 15 points per game. So the last 12 games of the season, David McCormick was the guy for Kansas offensively. And I would imagine that's a trend that's going to continue into next year, not because simply he played so well at the end of the year, but because that was the goal the whole time, was it not? To have him be the sort of alpha on offense. So if Ochai were to come back, he'd be the third option, right? The third option. And that's just assuming that you're knocking down shots because once you kind of establish who your guys are, from there it's getting where you fit in. From there it's who's open, who's getting the kick out, Who's, who are we going to run some sets for offensively? And Ochai would certainly get his fair share, but so would Christian Brown. Jalen Wilson's still there. Joe Yesifu's still going to play a role. I feel like everybody's role on next year's team is going to be drastically different despite the fact that it, you're either going to return three or four of your starters from a season ago. Think about this. You lost about 500 shots off last year's team what you had last year to this year with Marcus Garrett and so forth transfers on average per game that means you lost about 17 shots per game that is not very much and that's that's if Ochai comes back if Ochai comes back that basically means if everybody was averaging the same amount of shots they were last year you'd have 17 to give out and you have how many guys that need to get shots out of that number Remy Martin Joe Yesifu I mean I I don't want to go through the whole list but Remy Martin on his own could give you 12 to 15 shots a game. Let's let's look at it like that. On last year's team, Ochai led the team in shots per game at 11.7. Remy's not going to be taking as many shots as he was taking at Arizona State, where they basically let him do whatever he wanted. Like He was taking 14, 15 shots a game. But if Ochai was taking 11 last year, like that's where you start with Remy. You're taking 11 or 12. Because unlike Ochai, Remy's a lot better at going and getting his own. Well, like, perfect example. Okay, Devon Dotson was giving you 13. So I think you just assume around there. So let's say Remy Martin gives you 13 shots a game. 
You have four shots left. If everybody got the same amount of shots as last year returned, four shots is all you'd have left to give Joe Yesifu, all the freshmen, all the other transfers. So, obviously, everybody who's coming back is going to have less shots, basically. Everybody. Yeah. It's going to be a collective thing. But I don't necessarily see that as a negative. Because I do think, first off, let's look at it. Jalen Wilson doesn't need more shots next year. You know what Jalen Wilson needs is just to settle into a role where he's not being asked to be the alpha. Hell, he may be the fourth or fifth option. He doesn't need to be asked to be the guy like he was against Kentucky and Creighton where you're having to go win the game, take the big shot, score 23 points just to eke out a win. That was great. And when he was doing that, it kind of gave us the sense that maybe he could be that guy. But by the end of the season, it was clear that he was not somebody who can be relied upon to do it. Now, maybe he does take a big leap. Maybe he takes a big step forward and all of a sudden he's someone who can be relied upon a little bit more heavily than he was. But even to that point, you're not going to be asked to be the alpha. That is what Remy provides. I feel like he takes so much pressure off everyone else to say, you guys were all sort of playing out of position last year. You guys were all being asked to do more than you were ready to do. Dave was not ready initially to be the guy as the focal point of the offense who's getting a touch on every possession and turning around and and trying to score. He wasn't ready for that. Marcus Garrett was not ready to be an alpha point guard who has to come down and initiate the offense on every possession. That was not his position. And Ochai and Christian, bless their hearts, like they're good shooters, but they were never getting good looks. And they don't have the quick trigger that allowed them to get a shot up as a defender's closing in. Like, where other guys like Devontae and Svee and Malik Newman, they're taking those shots. And they're taking them without hesitation. That wasn't the case with Ochai and Brown. But I think with a guy like Remy and Joe Yesifu, who are going to command a lot of defensive attention, it's going to take a lot of pressure off those guys. So it's a, it's a trade-off. Less pressure, but also less opportunities. I feel like we... We're, you, if if you if you're willing to concede that Ochai is not going to be back, I feel like we have a pretty good idea of what this rotation is going to look like. Like, if I assume Ochai is not coming back, which is where I'm at right now, I'm looking at the starting five being Remy, Joe Yesifu, Christian Brown, Jalen Wilson, David McCormick, sixth man. Dewan Harris, which you would have to in that case. If you're starting two guards, you're going to need a third guard coming off the bench to spell them some minutes. So Dewan Harris, first guy off the bench, backup point guard. Backup big, probably Cam Martin. Right, which seems weird because initially we thought he'd compete for backup big minutes, but at this point, who do you think is his biggest competition? Zachary Clements? Probably. He's a string bean, man. Mm -hmm. He may be a very useful player, but you're not going to play him much at the five unless he proves to be somebody who can go down low and bang. Like, that's a guy who wants to live on the perimeter. I think Cam Martin wants to get a lot of shots on the perimeter as well, but he's 6'9", 240. He's been in college for four years. Doesn't matter if it's D2. Like, he's got a college body. He's probably more ready to go down low and, and bang in the post. So, backup big minutes, Cam Martin's probably your favorite. He's probably your seventh man. Eight, Jalen coleman lands. He fills a very specific need. Okay, you got your backup guard, your backup big. That's always how you should start with your bench when you're figuring out the rotation. Jalen Coleman-Lands comes in as your backup wing as another spot-up shooter. There's eight guys, and there's your rotation. There's your rotation. If Ochai does not come back, I'll pay... I'll pay... I'll pay... I'm not going to pay any... I just... I <laughs> realized that I was, I was threatening to pay, and then I was like, well, yep. what, if I'm wrong, it could be really expensive, man. It could be really expensive. 
uh, I, what do you want me to do? Here's, cause that's how certain I am. I will shave off my eyebrows. Wow. I'll shave off my eyebrows. If Ocha, Mark here's this. the deal. If Ochai Abaji is not the guy, if he, if he does not come back, I'll bet you that is your start. That is your top eight of the rotation. That is going to be your main rotation all year. So this is a bet that won't be able to pay off till like after the season because we'll have to see what the rotation does. But like that's going to be your eight. What's the argument? I mean, because anybody who's who would argue against me, I think the argument against you is that you just the freshmen are unknowns. But like, I didn't put any freshmen in the that's rotation. What I'm that's the that's the scary part for you. Like, what happens if, for all we know? KJ Adams is just like fits something Bill Self loves. I don't know. Like a, he and maybe he he, maybe he plays the stretch four like as well as Jalen. Yeah, Jalen loses some minutes to him. I don't know. I think if if that were the case, I'll tell you this: if that were the case, if KJ Adams ends up being like eight, and then Jalen Coleman lands is nine, you got a really good team. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying Coleman lands is a game changer, but you know what he does. Right, six five knockdown shooter. If you got a knockdown shooter with experience who's going to know what to do and know how to play, and he's your eighth or ninth man, you've got a really really solid team. Because I think there's an outside chance that Coleman Lands comes in and, and looks impressive to the point where he maybe steals minutes from starters. Now I'm not going to predict that. I do think he's a bench player, but like I, I I see him as your eighth man, and if he is your eighth man, I mean he could be starting a lot of places. Remember, Cam Martin was getting recruited by Creighton and Texas. I don't know what role he would have played there, but clearly caught a lot of people's attention. I'm not saying he could start a lot of places, but he could start at K-State. Right? Cam Martin goes to K-State. He's probably the leading scorer. Wouldn't you say? hmm I think this team's going to be really strong, with or without Ochai. Because that's the thing you have to think about. If you're worried about what is going to do, really want him to come back and you think he moves the needle that much give me a starting five and the back and the, and the next three so give me I'll, I'll get top eight if Ochai returns top eight without him mm-hmm. are you really gonna notice any like are you gonna look at one team and say that team is so much better hey Ochai hey Ochai Baji if those two teams played a best of seven series let's not act like having Ochai is worth a win He's probably worth a couple points. Like, he's a better shooter than Christian Brown, maybe, but maybe Remy Martin makes makes both those guys look shooters. It's easy to forget we're one year removed from Brown shooting 45% from three as a freshman. Much smaller sample size, but it was a much better team. It was a much better fit. You had a point guard. You had guys who demanded defensive attention that opened up things for shooters that you did not have last year. So I expect everybody... To look better because I expect the opportunities to be more plentiful just for good looks. So I don't really think it moves the needle for me whether or not Ochai comes back. I think KU would be better with him, but I don't think it moves the ceiling. I don't think I would say they're a national championship contender with him versus they aren't one without him. Yeah, I, I wouldn't go that far either. Like, yes, you can still win the Big 12 with or without him. I just, I kind of just harp on the fact that he provides you more positional versatility, more defense, more kind of athleticism. Your margin out there. for error widens with him. Yes, correct. And that's that's the thing. Which again, you know, maybe Christian Brown steps up, has a great year, and you don't really need him as much. But it is nice to have that. It's it's almost like when you know you lost Wayne Selden, who was giving you 15 a game to get Josh Jackson. 
And I'm not saying KU has a better player than Ochai to replace him this time around, but Josh Jackson was better than Wayne Selden was. So you ended up being okay. But don't you think it would have been nice if you had Wayne Selden and Josh Jackson? Maybe it would have been overkill, but like, I don't know, maybe they would have actually won the title that year instead. So it has to matter at least a little bit, I would think. Certainly you want him back. But yeah, I, I would agree that it's not going to be the the definitive way that the season ends. We're not going to look back next year at the end of the year if they lose in the Elite Eight Final Four. I doubt we're going to look back and say, did I don't try. No, I don't think so either. Because I think Jalen Coleman lands is that insurance piece where if you don't have him, hey, if all you want Ochai to be is a three and D guy, well, you got the three and maybe a little bit less D, but you can manufacture that in other ways. It's interesting. We got it about uh, two weeks, about two weeks from today or from yesterday when these guys have to make their final decisions on what they're going to do, come back or uh, keep their names in their draft. Ochai, I would imagine, is going to go all the way up to that deadline because after the combine ends, that's when you start working out. That's when you start getting feedback from these teams, and I'd imagine he's going to want as much of that as possible before he makes his final decision. All right, with Derek Johnson, I'm Nick Schwartz. You're listening to Rock Chuck Sports Talk.